Hey guys, I hope you're loving the Making Bank episodes. Please make sure you guys like and share these episodes as well as comment below for the guests. They love to come back and interact with you. And I really appreciate you watching and listening to Making Bank. So thank you. You are are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Excited for today's guest, Hollis Carter, Brandon Kane, Riley Dane, Todd Brown, David Osborne, Cassidy Phillips, Maxwell Finn. What were some of the big challenges that you've run into um, that, you know, kind of, you're like, man, if I would have known this, then, you know, I could have been two or three years shortcut ahead of where I was at. Yeah, I mean, I think a big one, I was just sort of getting into it there for a second is like, bite enough more than you can chew. Um, so there's this whole entrepreneurial's hero, take a moonshot, 10X kind of thing that's out there in the world uh, to motivate people. You know, every time I ever got myself into trouble that I dig out from a business thing is when I kind of bit off more than I could chew. And your relationships, like if, whether it's a customer or a vendor or an investor or a business partner, or your own team, like, I developed a a rule after biting off more than I could chew and going for these big moonshots when I get excited in a conversation and then you have to do the work. Um, It's like if you can make things where you can under promise even to yourself and over deliver on it, like the speed of progress in which you can get and not having to keep burning through relationships is huge. So like even right now. I was just in Austin this weekend for the, the, the Paleo FX conference, but we were taking meetings for this new company we're starting, which is way out of my comfort zone where we're bringing on a CEO, a COO, we're raising money. Like I've always bootstrapped everything from start to finish. Sure. Um, and I'm just asking tons of questions. Like I just do not want to screw up our relationship because you think I'm going to be able to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm counting on you to do this. So. There is a method I learned at a Bathwater event that's been helping me, and it's what Disney does for their like creative thinking. It's the dreamer, realist, critic. And so after being way too big of a dreamer, then falling into a realist, and then my business partner is very you know, good at being a critic. Um, we kind of rub on that sometimes. It's fun. But you know, any idea that we move forward, if I'm hiring someone, uh, going in and making a new product, whatever, it's you have like a full day set aside for dreamer, like all the optimistic ways that this can go and writing out that path of perfectness uh, and then more of the realist version and then the absolutely critical version of if everything went wrong. And <laughs> yeah, it was something I felt like I used to avoid because I didn't want to like put myself down and not pursue this angle or this idea or whatever. Um, and it's honestly what I think is how baby bath water be so successful is like we kind of have under I think our shots are obviously bigger because we've built more of a tolerance over time uh, than, than you know some event businesses or whatever. But we've never done anything that we couldn't also surprise and delight after the thing was sold or the person was hired and bring more horsepower to it. Um, and so that's like one of the newest lessons in the last three or four years, especially after I had one business just absolutely explode a while back um, because we just shot too big and we couldn't keep up. And so, like, the ability to stay on your own train uh, is something that I'm really starting to learn the, the power of. 
Yeah, and that's interesting. You said that too. You know, the whole fact about you know <clears throat> the one that just kind of like blew up on you. You know, because you shot so big, and you couldn't keep up with it. Um, and what happened there is it just kind of since you weren't able yeah, to keep I mean, up with it. Yeah, basically, we had a, a service we came up with. I knew a great guy who was working on that stuff. Uh, it was basically, you know, it was a marketing service type thing um, involved in the publishing space. And, you know, I was going to be the business development sales guy and also like kind of communicate what they really wanted to the service provider. Um, sold one or two of them. It was a very high ticket, long term service. And, you know, we needed cash to provide for the hiring of the service. And, you know, I got pushed pretty hard to keep bringing in more people. And I didn't listen to my gut, which was like, let's knock a few of these out of the park. Like we knocked one out of the park and it got a case study to help us sell more. But if I would have listened to my gut at that time and said, hey, let's do a few of these before I bring a few more on, there's too many people who were sold to service them correctly. I saw the writing on the wall in my gut, but not enough in my mind to uh, take the action. And then, you know, um, the partnership exploded overnight because, you know, the guy needed cash to pay for things and different stuff and got overwhelmed. And I had to pretty much call all the people in my relationships and say, hey, sorry, this isn't going to happen. And I learned a lot about taking conversations straight on. I eventually I was able to pay every single person back from just doing side consulting and stuff. So now they're like great relationships that have come back into the fold. But it's like, no, nah, it's something I want to sign up for again. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> which would have been easily avoidable had I had a little realist critic like thinking, um, which is funny, the partner that I have now, Michael Lovich, was like taking me out constantly, be like, oh, be careful, man, like don't get the cart in front of the horse. And, um, you know, I was just ha hadn't experienced an actual crash yet. Like I think a lot of people have a lot of ideas that don't work. And I had a weird start where the first three or four things we did sort of worked right away. So I didn't have those mental patterns of like, oh, it's not, all, you know, it's more like Vegas than it is a guaranteed thing when you start a business. Um, I just had a, a really interesting view on it because I hadn't experienced it. And now it, I think it changed my – wouldn't want to go back and do it, but I'm really glad it happened. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you notice um, – I know because initially you said just trying to make that transition over to digital from TV. Even though she kind of has that big TV name, did it transition to digital or did you still feel like when you were doing it, it was like you're really starting from scratch to kind of to build that out? Listen, it definitely helps. Uh, it, it doesn't hurt. But what I will say, and I'll, and I'll say this even like when we looked at the people we interview, like you could get a big A-list celebrity. And if you don't make that content compelling, nobody cares. Like it's because there's there's so much content out there. People are just swiping through feeds. They're swiping through their email. They're swiping through text messages. And like, and you've also got to take into consideration every big celebrity has done multiple interviews. So it's like you've got to, it's really based upon the subject matter. I mean, the, the most viral clip that we had was actually not from like a huge celebrity. It was from a guy named Brandon Stanton, who was the founder of Humans New York of New York, who's created created a huge Facebook community uh, around his uh, photo blog. And it was just him uh, reading an open letter to Donald Trump that really caught an emotional chord with audiences and really just tapped into what was going on at that specific time in the political landscape that just caught fire so it's, it's really to me it's about the content like you could literally interview somebody that you've never heard of if it's a compelling story it'll work so it it helps don't get me wrong it helps to have celebrity but it's not required 
Got it. Yeah, no, I just I figured obviously it would have some some play, but you know, I it, it still you know had that potential of starting out. Okay, cool. We still got to build. You know, it's more of a recognizable name than <laughs> Joe or somebody like that. But it, uh, it, it definitely gave it a little bit of um, extra points. So I wanted to chat on your um, book, uh, one million followers, and uh, from this, you know, it looks like you know you talk about basically the structure and the framework and everything that went into building out, you know, over a million followers in 30 days, uh, for your channel and everything. Yeah. So I, I break down the system and the process that I use really from a content testing perspective. But what I also did is because I'm a firm believer that every strategy or every strategy is not necessarily right for every person. And I like to give people option and that's how I work with people is helping them find the right strategy for them. So what I also did is I went off and interviewed uh, friends and partners that have achieved tremendous growth uh, in different facets of digital and social on different platforms and different ways and different business models so that I could break down their strategies as well and share them with people so that the book serves as a as a real great resource to, to seeing how different people grow and the different ways of going about it so that you can then find the right approach for you and what you're specifically trying to achieve. Awesome. Cool. And where can people grab that? Is it on Amazon or is it a specific website? Yeah. So they can grab it on Amazon. It's all in, in the major retail stores. Uh, there's a website, 1millionfollowers.com. Okay. Awesome. And we'll have a, we have a link as well here right in the uh, copy and everything. So people can click on it and go to it right there as well so well cool uh couple minutes left what is one question i should have asked you that i didn't ask you that you want or think people need to know i mean i think all the questions were really amazing i think they're spot on i would say if there's one last parting piece of advice i could give people is really just this concept of constantly learning and testing around content because you cannot be successful in social or digital without strong content and really getting into that mindset of how you can improve the content that you're producing all the time. And that even goes for people that are having tremendous success. Like the people that I, that I've partnered with, or even people featured in the book that have had tremendous success have built uh, tens of millions of followers or generating billions of views. They are constantly learning. They're constantly testing and iterating. So it's really just to, to instill that, that mindset into people I think would have the greatest impact uh, on kind of their growth going forward. Awesome. What are maybe three really cool insights that you've picked up from interviewing all these amazing entrepreneurs? Yeah. So, I mean, there are so many trends and so many ideas <laughs> that you see time and time again. And then you start to be like, oh, it's no wonder you're successful. Like right. when, I, when I asked you this question, I already know what you're going to say because the other 22 <laughs> people answered the same way. Sure. Um, but I think three big takeaways for me. Um, the first one might be passion. And I think passion sometimes gets a bad rap because it's like sure. a lot of people say like, don't follow your passion, follow the money, right? Like I, I hear that a lot. But there was an interview with Steve Jobs um, sometime before he passed and he said, passion is important because it gives you the hustle and the drive on the days when a normal person would give up. Mm. But if you have passion, you're going to power through that day when if you didn't have passion, that's the day you would give up and call it quits. But sure. if you're so fired up and passionate about it, it just gives you the extra push to keep going. And that's why I think that's just such a, an important ingredient in being an entrepreneur because For sure. you, you know, if, if the first road bump you hit, you give up, 
you're never going to make it. You know, right. as you know, you, you're going to plow through like 12 roadblocks before you finally get to where you're trying to get <laughs> yeah. to, if you get there. And so I think passion, huge ingredient. So that's the first thing. Mm. Um, the second thing is solving a problem and helping people. Okay. And it was, I, I think I was talking to T. Harv Ecker, uh, who wrote Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And he said, when I do my seminars, I'll ask people, how many here want to help a lot of people? He said, everyone puts up their hand. <laughs> and he says, how many people here want to be really, really rich? Everyone puts up their hand. And he's like, well, perfect. Because that's the only way that you ever get rich. Because the only way that you get money is you get it when you help somebody solve a problem. Mm. So whether it's about, you know, inventing a better, you know, Starbucks coffee mug, you still right. help somebody drink their coffee better. So it could be that small. Or you're Elon Musk saying, let's, let's make better cars. Let's make... Let's sure. cut down on fossil fuels. Like, let's change the way energy is played. Right. So either way, whether it's this small little micro thing, I even if it's a Snuggie, you know what I mean? Where it's like, are you the type of person that wants to lay there with a blanket but still have your arms out? We're going to solve your problem. Right. <laughs> um, either way, no matter what you're doing as an entrepreneur, if yep. you are successful and if you're making money, you're in some way solving a problem. You're in some way helping people. Um, so I think that's cool, especially in today's climate, because in the past, I don't know if it was like, really cool to want to be, you know, really like give away money and do these things. And it's like, you can just bake that into what you're doing, you know, right? right? Like the core of your business can be about your primary motivation is to help people, help them solve a problem. And for doing that, you're going to get money back. For sure. So it's a really cool, you know, symbiotic relationship there. It was interesting. One of the interviews, I was talking to somebody and they were telling me how Tom's had given away so many pairs of shoes that the areas that they were giving away so many pairs of shoes were putting the shoe stores out of business because of their model. Right. So they had to change it up a little bit. So yeah. instead of like one for one, now it's like a certain percentage or right, whatever right, right. gets donated you. and stuff. And they weren't trying to do it to be malicious. They were trying to do it to help people. Right. And it ended up, <laughs> I mean, it ended up doing both. Yeah. But yeah, you know, and so, um, yeah. So like I said, like you said, baking in your cause or what yeah. you're doing to help others, you know, in what you should do is definitely important. And I think we're seeing a lot of that kind of changing that direction yes. as b new businesses roll out and um, different strategic ways to align, uh, align with. Um, I had talked with one person and they talked about how they were, had this model of give back and then like they would get buy stuff at a certain price but then show hey here's what the markup is mm -hmm. and you can buy it for this price and but it just to me it just didn't make sense because i'm like well but you gotta have enough margin to operate and run your yes. business and all this and you gotta you still gotta make money to live and all this kind of a thing and it was interesting because when we released the show because we run i don't know six months on average behind with shows right we have yeah. so many recorded is when i went to release it they were out of business. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was like, huh, All that right. was quite yeah. interesting how that worked out. And so I think it's a double-edged sword. Yes. Is that you have to be able to make, you have to make a profit and you got to make, generate revenue to also give back. Yes. And so I think that's the key is where if your product itself can be the thing that helps somebody. Right. Right. Then, then you can, you can check both boxes. Mm, yes. Right. So then whatever you're selling is solving that problem and helping them. For sure. And then if you also want to, you know, bake in the, you know, the, the Tom's shoe, the buy one, give right. one or put, you know, 10% back. That's all super cool. But that can be extra on top of what you're already doing. Doing. Yeah. yeah. To help people. Cool. So um, let's see. Was that two things? That, yeah, those two. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, yeah, a third would be 
you know, a concept that you hear a lot about, but I think it's really important, and that is the the fail forward okay. idea and embracing failure, and that's something that I didn't understand. Okay. Really, like I heard it growing up, where it's like sure. you know, failure is what makes you strong. It's like we we fall down so we can learn to get back up. And I saw it was like I was like, this is stupid. Like I, I'd rather just not be failing, and that would be fall. better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But now as I get older, I really I, I'm starting to understand the concept and doing this film and hearing so many people reiterate it, because I used to just see failure as. I tried to do something and it didn't work, so therefore it's bad. Sure. But now I know, okay, I tried to do something, it didn't work, which means I've learned one way that it will not work, which means I'm one step closer to finding the way that it will work. Mm. So even though it can sometimes look like you're going backwards, to me failure is always, you know, that staircase. So right. every time that you learn one way not to do something, that inherently means that you are one step closer to finding the correct way to do the thing. (laughs) So I think failing forward is huge. Like embrace failure, keep going, fail as much as you can because if you're failing, that means that you're, you're pushing hard. You're trying to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. It's easy to stay in what you know, but like you're not gonna grow. You're not gonna right. grow yourself. You're not gonna grow as a business. So push until you fail. When you fail, pivot and try again and do something and, yep. really, and really push forward, fail forward. I think it's huge. That's awesome. What, um, so, so those are some of the different success ideas. Yeah. How about from a, like have you seen, and I'll bring this up. So um, one gentleman I interviewed, he talked about the differences from like millionaires and billionaires. Right. So what have you found that kind of separates that level? Yes, that's an interesting thing. I was actually just talking about this the other day. And so obviously I'm not a billionaire. <laughs> we're, so, I'm just, we're talking about interview. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I'm not either, but it's yes. just so, from a response. Of, yes, but from looking at it from afar, um, what I can see is that, you know, being a billionaire it takes, that might be something that's more of that genetic thing that we're talking about. Like you're gonna need something that's not normal, that most normal people don't have. Like I think I was reading Elon Musk's biography and I could be kind of wrong on the right. story, but I believe what it was is like, he grew up in South Africa. Right. And by the time he was like, let's say it was like seven or eight, he had like read like every book in the library because he has a photographic memory. And like the library had to like ship in more books for him to read. <laughs> I was like, that's not normal. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, right. no matter what, and I think, you know, it's the same thing where it's like, I'm a five, nine white guy. I'm not gonna be the best basketball player. Like sure. I'm not, like there's a certain limitations to just how you were born. Right. That I think like I could be really good, but am I gonna be the best player on the best team? Probably not. The same way even intellectually, how we're born with certain traits, Elon Musk was born with an advantage to become a billionaire. Okay. Whereas like, does my, int- I don't have a photographic memory. I've never right. went to a library and read every single book. <laughs> so I think, you know, there is that distinction. Um, so I would say that might be the main one. I think the, the real big one between millionaires and billionaires might just be, what are those intrinsic characteristics that you can't control? Right. That, that really comes into play to take that leap. At least that would, that would be my stab at it. Interesting. I think. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure how, if you guys got into any discussions in that yeah. throughout the movie and stuff and was able to pick apart you know, some ideas in that. Because it's just fascinating from the different books I've read and different interviews, yeah. what people look at and um, you know, even it's just like how they look at opportunities yes. and how, what the opportunity means to them and how there's a certain way they look at opportunities compared to somebody that's just looking to make more money. Right. And so... Yeah, and I think that's fair because it's even like, let's say with Elon Musk's specific personality type, right? right? At minimum, there's 
let's say, 1,000, 10,000 other kids that were born at the same time sure. that had the same capabilities Elon Musk had. Right. Why is he the guy that has Tesla and the other 9,099 kids don't? So it's like there is some inherent thing, but at the end of the day, it, it's choice. And it is, you know, <laughs> being the, the braver one to take the leap when the other people won't. Take the risk. Yeah, yeah for sure. Cool. What, um, anyway, we got a few minutes left. Yeah. What are some like insights that you're like, man, this is just something that I've picked up over the years or something that just resonated in me through from film school to my dad being an entrepreneur and you know, that you just really wish people would know and that you just got to get off your chest and tell them. Yeah. I think it's not a fun or sexy answer, but it's, it's a, uh, <laughs> it's hard work is hard work is the fastest way to get to where you want to go. And that was another thing that I didn't like as a kid at all, at all. It was hard work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just wanted to be fun. Yeah, that's what's like, I think I was like 16. I read like the four hour work week. Oh, right. And I was like, okay, there's, and I love that book still, but it, I had this belief where I'm like, there's shortcuts to everything. And it's like, there's working harder and working smarter. So I can just, you know, work smarter than I don't have to work that much. No, 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 no. You work smart and you work just as much as the people working hard. Right. So you still put in the 12 hours a day. You just do it smart. Yep. So what you do in a day, it might take somebody else in a week. For sure. But you, you really have two choices. You can take it slow and work two hours a day, and it's going to take you a decade. Or you can take it fast and you can work the 12 hours a day, and it's mm. going to take you a year or two years or three years. Right. But I think there's, there's no shortcuts. No matter how smart you are, no matter how smart you're working, hard work is the fastest way to succeed. And it was an idea that I didn't want to embrace. I wanted the shortcut. I wanted it to be easy. But as I grow up and as I've seen these people succeed, that's just, that's the truth. Cool. So, so say somebody brand new, just starting out, because I know you get to work with a lot of people coming yeah. in through your mastermind and everything yeah. and all that. Just starting out, what do you kind of recommend? Like what are those first few steps for people to get started to be able to, to get a funnel up and to get their marketing and positioning going? Yeah, well, I mean, even taking a step back first, you know, one of sure. the big mistakes that, and I, I, you know, I can talk about the big mistakes because I've made them all. <laughs> well, good. Uh, let's, I've, let's I've made start. them all <laughs> uh, and, and then some. Uh, you know, I, it, one of the big mistakes is starting with the product. Okay. Right, like, you know, starting with the product, like falling in love with this product. Okay. First of all, this is worth, this is a conversation worth having even outside the, the context of marketing <laughs> that, you know, sometimes more often than we'd like to admit, entrepreneurs and marketers, they hitch their, their wagon, so to speak, to a bad product. Gotcha. Maybe it's, it's a bad product because it, like the marketer, the entrepreneur fell in love with it and no one else wants it. Right. Or they're in love with this obscure topic okay. and they just love talking about it and reading about it. And they think, you know, there's got to be other people that do right. and, and they don't. And they get married to a product idea, to a marketplace. They, okay. they, they fall in love with it. And when their marketing doesn't work because, you know, like you got a bad product in a bad marketplace, great marketing is, isn't going to overcome that. Like sure. if you've got a, you know, if the product's off the mark and the marketplace is just off the mark, you put those comments and you could learn all the marketing tricks in the world and you're, you're, you're likely still going to struggle. The key thing that I, I, I tell folks that I want to share with, with folks is fall in love with being an entrepreneur. Don't fall in love with the product. Don't fall in love with the marketplace. Fall in love with the freedom and pride in being a successful entrepreneur because you may have to switch. Sure. Right? I've 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 left industries, I've sold companies, you know, I've moved on when right. when when more exciting opportunities have presented themselves, right? And so that's that's the first thing that, right? With that being said, that's also the 
the, the big mistake that a lot of new marketers and entrepreneurs make is they start with the product. They, okay. they, they think about, I could sell X. Right. And then they think about, well- Because they I, see somebody else selling it. Or, or because or, they, they, you know, because like, look, today, you know, you know, man, there's so many messages out right. there that are like, it's so easy to start your business today. Anybody can say, <laughs> come up with an idea for an information, take what you're passionate about and you could start an info product business. And then people are like, great, I'm going to start one about rare gems that you, or yeah. whatever, in New Jersey or whatever. And it's like- <laughs> Like, what are you talking about, man? Like, I don't even live in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, and so they start with this, I, I have a product, I, I have an idea for sure. a product, and then they try to figure out, well, like, all right, so who am I going to sell it to? And then how would I structure the marketing message to sell it to those people? When what you really want to do at the beginning is you want to invest the time, energy, and effort to become a student of markets and people. Okay. And you want to look for what out the, where are the and what are the groups of people okay. that are interested in a topic or a product that a large group of people that gather, they gather either offline in conferences, they gather in in Facebook pages and sure. groups and forums, they gather there on there's a database where we can direct mail them, right? Um, and they're hungry and interested in in X, Y, Z. Sure. And then we get to decide if we want to bring them X, Y, Z or bring them a different version of X, Y, Z or a better version of X, Y, Z. Okay. You know, it was Gary Halbert that talked about, you know, uh, this idea that you want to find a starving crowd. Right. That's what you want. That's, forget that, you know, forget opening up a, a burger joint with a great, a great logo. Forget the best meat. Forget the best cooks. Forget the right location. Right. You want a starving crowd. Yeah, you want to identify the starving crowd sure. first. And, and so that's the best course. You start there and you let the market tell you what the market wants and then you choose if you want to be the one to give it to them. Gotcha. What's one question I didn't ask you that you're like, man, Josh, if you would have just asked this, this will just light people on fire that you want to share. Yeah, um, man, I would love to get into something personal, but I won't. Um, uh, but you have to vote to have me back here. You make sure that you 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 let them know. Um, no, I, I think is this you know is a piece of advice that that I got, um, sure. and that's this you know we're in the idea business. You know, Mark Ford, who oh, yeah. many of your viewers probably know by his pen name, Michael Masterson, New York sure. Times, Wall Street Journal bestseller, uh, brilliant, brilliant guy, one of my, you know, early mentors. He he really opened my eyes to the fact that this is a business, marketing is, is a business of ideas. Okay. Meaning behind every marketing campaign, behind every video, behind right. every blog post, behind every podcast, behind every video podcast, um, there is an idea. And the quality of that idea is what determines attention okay. and engagement. It's very similar to, you know, the quality of a movie idea. It's when, you know, somebody said to you, I've got, I've got an idea for a movie, right? right? Yep. What we wouldn't say to them is, what, well, what's the title? Like right. you would say, well, what's the idea? What's like, give me, story? Pitch yeah. me, tell me the idea. Yeah. Give me the, give me the log line. Give me the, you know, give me the 20 second idea. Sure. And right. Like if it's a great idea, you know, you don't need superstars in the roles to make it work. You don't need, right? right? Like, you don't need a huge budget. Those sure. things can help and those things add to it. But just because you have a huge budget and, and stars doesn't mean it's going to work, mean, right? Yeah. Just like, just just because you have uh, um, the best software for your funnels and, and all that jazz and great design doesn't mean it's good. It's the underlying idea mm. that really carries okay. the weight. And so you want to focus on like, well, what's the idea that I'm, that I'm bringing behind it? Am I, am I simply saying how to grow big tomatoes? Right? And am I trying to 
Am I trying to take that run-of-the-mill idea and make it sound um, exciting by saying how to grow big, huge, gorgeous right. tomatoes, which is the same idea, just wordsmith? Sure. Or are you working on like, what's the idea? Like, what's the real, what's the idea that I'm bringing behind this message? Okay. And, uh, and you see that goes for books, movies, television right. shows, you know, everything. And so we're in the idea business. And when you really start to think about, right, before you sit down to write a headline, before you sit down to think, you know, you think about, you know, I always start with the offer, what we talked about, right. and then I go back to the idea, and I back work on the, the idea. idea for the campaign. Okay. The idea behind the marketing campaign that's gonna lead people to this unbelievable sin offer that we put together. Cool, awesome, man. What's one question, um, you're thinking, man, I wish Josh would ask this. What's one question I should have asked you, or maybe something you've never shared before that you're just like, hey guys, I really want you guys to know this. Huh. You know, I'll tell you what it is. Um, I don't know if I wanted you to ask it, but I got asked it earlier today. A guy said to me, you know, I said I, I coached him and he said, hey, I, I just feel like I'm stressed and lost all the time. I, I told him after the coaching call, you're on it. You're running a tight ship. I talked to a lot of people. They're not as tight as you. He goes, you know, it doesn't feel that way. So what, what I would tell your listeners is it never feels that way. Like you could be, you know, I don't feel that way. So I feel like it's sloppy and messy and out of control. I'm sure that Elon Musk feels the same way. Like it never gets to a point where you're like, oh, I figured it all out now. It's going amazingly well. That that wouldn't be courage. It wouldn't be victory to to live in a world where everything was certain and confident. The, the, the uncertainty is something you have to get to learn to live with. You live with that uncertainty and that feeling of confusion. Don't ever think there's an arrived point where someone that you're seeing on stage, you know, Richard Branson, oh, he's arrived. His life is just figured out. It's not that way. It's always, there's a certain amount of uncertainty. There's a certain amount of doubt. There's a certain amount of self-reflection or self-questioning that goes on all the way through your life. So that might take away some of the fear because people I think think, oh, that guy's figured it all out, but no one's figured it all out. They're just on this journey together um, and creating, you know, courage is acting in the absence of certainty. And so just, you know, that's when I think that people don't realize they see people talking, communicating effectively and they think, oh, that guy's figured it all out. I don't think anyone's figured it all out. I think everyone, you, you either slip into comfort and then check out or you, if you're striving, you're constantly dealing with doubt. No, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, I think that's super true. I just, I mean, you're gonna, you get bored at that. You, you figure it all out. There's nothing else to continue to figure out. So always having that challenge and, you know, and loving and enjoying that whole process, you know, I think is super important and what continues to push you, me, you know, other people out there and everything. And that's the other thing, what you just said, it is the process. The journey is the destination. I know it's an old cliche, but, you know, it might seem like it takes longer and it's harder than it should be. And then when you arrive at a certain level of success and you look back, you realize everything that happened had to happen for you to get to where you were. So in other words, yeah, it took me 10 years to get to be a very successful in residential real estate. But every year of those 10 was important to create lessons that are now my foundation for me to build even bigger and taller on. So no matter how long it takes, um, just understand that that every single step matters in the in the journey of, of self-actualization. Sweet. In Blissful Ignorance, um, kind of give me a little recap. Um, I know you talk about it's a foolproof plan for entrepreneurial success. and kind of dives into everything that you've kind of gone through along your journey. Um, you know, one of the big things, too, that I want to honor you on and congratulate you is kind of that step of, 
hey, you realize, hey, I'm at that hard point, uh, you know, family and business and, you know, taking that step, you know, to spend more time with your family, and your wife and kids and doing all that. Because um, I try, like, that's one of the biggest things several years ago, or I don't know, it was probably eight, eight years ago now, 10 years ago now, was how do I integrate our kids and everything we do and grow in from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Now it's not like, cool, I have to try to balance time here. I have to try to balance time here, but more a complete integration and everything. And it's worked so far. It's worked really well. (laughs) Um, you know, with what they've done and each of them kind of have their own little business and different things they do. And, um, you know, they're always wanting to know and be involved in what we're doing. And we try to take them on, business type trips as well to integrate them in conferences and different stuff. So that way it gives a complete whole, Hey, here's what we're doing. You're involved in it. You know, you're growing this along with us. And so fortunately it's worked out well. So (laughs) at least I'm kind of ahead of the curve there. (laughs) Hey man, it's what you just explained is what every parental entrepreneur needs to understand. You've got to do this with your children, not mm. for your children. Right. You know, the big the big question is, do I do I include my children in some of the hard yards so that they can understand it? Or do I do this and then give them, you know, the wealth when I die? Mm-hmm. Right. The big question, sure. where do I leave my children? Yep. And, you know, what you're doing is you're teaching your children to understand you see dad all the time but dad's busting his ass. Yes. There are a lot of other kids that see dad all the time and he's not busting his ass. <laughs> and, and the world of entrepreneurship today is pretty sexy. Everybody's an entrepreneur. Right. But oh yeah. Some of them are making money and some of them are not making money. Yep. And so it's, it's the idea of being able to explain and I'm getting to the book. The, 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 the deal is you have to understand who and what you are to be who you want to be in life. And you represent a badass dude that's willing to incorporate his family into the successes and failures in order for everybody to understand that you don't just get a blue ribbon because you try. Which <laughs> is right? the truth. Yeah, my kids are big martial artists and they're like, well, why are they giving everybody trophies or whatever? And, you know, yeah. like, and they know they like, hey, if I get fourth, they expect nothing, you know, so that's right. And the other side of it is balance, this whole world of balance. Balance, I believe, is a discipline. Mm-hmm. If, they're, if they do martial arts, they understand there's time to focus and there's time to play around. Right. And so if you manage your time well, you can achieve both of those. But the idea of an entrepreneur having balance in their life is just ridiculous. For sure. I don't know what balance is. <laughs> I know obsessive, compulsive, some call it a disorder, I call it an entrepreneur. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and so I know you dive into a lot of this in your book. I do. Um, I do. Purpose, yes. you know, and where you talk about, you know, I really like um, near, I think it was about when I uh, partially through, uh, where you're talking about purpose um, and what kind of drives you, um, passion before process. That was a whole other section I was diving into and reading and everything. So I think it's some really cool insights that you bring to light, um, and especially the title, Blissful Ignorance. <laughs> Hey, it, 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 the truth is in the title. It, yeah, there's no other I mean. way to look at it. <laughs> um, and before we wrap up, um, just maybe uh, I always like to ask people, 
what's one question you're like, hey, man, I wish Josh would have really asked this because I want to share this. So what's something that you wish I would have asked you that you really think you want to share or could share with our audience? Uh, the, the biggest thing that I want people to understand as an entrepreneur, and this is what I am uh, I'm, I'm dedicating my life to uh, now. I have a podcast. Uh, if you go to blissfulignorancepodcast.com, you can, that'll take you directly cool. to it. I'm learning, learning all this stuff. But here's the deal is if you're not passionate about what you're doing in life, do something else. You, you get to make the decisions in your life. You get to change the path that you're on in life. You know, there's a lot of things that have happened to a lot of people, and I hate those things that happen to them. But you no longer have to prove something to somebody. All you have to do is step out and be the artist that we know you can be and pursue that art, that dream, that passion, that goal that you want in life, and you will have value greater than any dollar you can put in the bank. I'm not talking about, you know, you being a millionaire in the bank. I'm talking about you being a millionaire in your mind. Mm, and yeah. the, the emotional currency that, that Josh, you're putting into your family today is, is more valuable than any dollar you can have in the bank because you're doing things together as a core unit. And I ask any entrepreneur out there, look at the, the value of emotional dollars you have in the bank. And if you don't have a process for that, find it because those dollars are much more valuable than the ones that you're gonna see in the bank. Because you can't be an expert at everything. No. And that's what I, I learned early I know, on. So <laughs> like I like testing things. Sure. So I'll, I'll get my hands dirty and play around with things right. just because I'm, I love doing it. Right, yeah, but you're I also, always in there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I also it. recognize that one, I'm a bottleneck of the business okay. when I try to do everything. And that's my problem since day one is I need to hire more people and delegate more right. so I can take a day off. Right, because it's it's bad. I'm married now, and like <laughs> I know. it's I'm, I'm working all the time, and and I don't take vacations. I don't take days off because I have always felt that if I'm not like running out, if I'm not doing things, right, we're not making money. And so we started to shift over the last quarter or so to really building a team, bringing on more partners, delegating, bringing on partners and things like unicorn wealth. Sure, because I would I think yeah. this is a big mistake a lot of new entrepreneurs and small business owners make is they want to control everything. And they want to own 100%. Yeah, no, so, that's the truth. And because they're so concerned about their equity and how much they own and how much they control, they keep the grape, right? It's yeah. like 100% of a grape. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you just delegate, if you give out some, you know, equity, if you, if you, you know, take a short-term pay cut so you can pay some other people, bring right. them on, you get this much bigger pie. Yeah. That maybe your slice is a little smaller, but it's growing and it's much bigger, and other people are actively working to grow it. And that's the coolest thing is when you know, like, right now no, I'm here. Great. And there's people on our team that are actively working right now to make us money. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're running the accounts, yeah. they're doing the ads, monitoring yeah. all that for you. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, because yeah, I know before, I mean, you and I would always talk, and you're always in there doing it, doing it, doing it, yeah, mixing up the ad, you know, fixing all the stuff, getting it working. And it's exhausting. It's, you can't, you can't yeah. do it. And you, you, if, if you try to do it, you end up just burning yourself out. Right. You hit a wall. It's, you know either just personally or, or professionally with the business. You just sure. can't grow past a certain point. It's impossible. Or you move your, you know, what I found is like, I would always be like, I'd grow one thing to here and then be like, let's do this. And you think that like, I can keep this here and then go over here and make this here. Right. But what happens is, okay, I go over here and then like, that goes down. it just nothing, there's no net gain. Sure. It just keeps oh, yeah. reallocating where profit's coming from. That's what's funny. I was telling somebody about the show because we've always been video focused, pushing it on YouTube and everything else. And we got up to, I think I was up to about 10 million minutes consumed every month. 
And then I was like, okay, cool. I got to start pushing more of the iTunes and growing that side. So I started doing that for like the last four months and then YouTube drops down (laughs) and I'm like, ah, you can only master one thing. I know. It's really, really (laughs) difficult. And it's very frustrating because it's like, I spent so much time doing this and now I, I thought I had a system and automated it, but apparently not. And no, I know. And it's like, wow. And now it's going down. All right. Now I got to like bring this back up, find somebody and put them over here. And it's. You know, it, it gets up. So, you know, obviously you've owned several businesses and everything, you know, kind of through your journey. Now with Unicorn and, you know, you and Jeremy and everything, what, obviously one of the challenges is you kind of being the bottleneck. Yep. What were some of the other challenges you've ran into that you're like, okay, cool, and you found solutions for? That's a great question. So I think, you know, one of the challenges we encountered was, uh, this is something we started encountering, but I okay. think it's also something I've been planning for because it's a bigger picture problem, Okay. which is it's twofold. One is becoming uh, like almost typecasted and okay. put into a corner by being like the Facebook person, right? Sure. And obviously I'm wearing you know, a Facebook shirt, right? Bad <laughs> timing. just calling it out. Yeah, bad timing for this, this interview, but it's a super comfortable shirt. That's why I wore it. Dennis, right. you gave it to me yesterday. I was like, this is really comfortable. Nice. I'm going to wear it. Um, so it's really challenging in digital marketing because you need to become an expert in something to sure. get to a certain level, to build the relationships and get on the right. state, all that stuff. However, by doing that, you also become known for that. Mm. And it's very hard to then move, you become known as the Facebook guy. Right. Right? Yep. And so you look at somebody again, like, keep picking on Ezra just because he's in my head because I'm, I'm meeting with him later. So it's like, he did a great job of like, he had Facebook, was a big channel of his. Sure. But he's more like, Econ. I E-com built his brands, right? right? And mm-hmm. um, and so that's something we realize and we're focusing on moving away from. It's like not just being Facebook, sure. but let's start diversifying our traffic channels. Let's start diversifying how we structure our company, how we market ourselves. Right. So we're not just talking about Facebook ads everywhere. So even mm-hmm. like at iStack on Friday, right. I'm not talking about Facebook ads specifically. I'm talking about how we structure deals okay. and what the future of digital from marketing looks side, like from saying. an agency side. Right. And just CPA performance marketing. Okay. And so that was that was a big challenge, and I, I think it's going to continue to be one. But we're making strides to move away from that. So and so you guys are making adjustments to focus more on other areas, like through yeah, your training, other traffic channels, and, and also other areas, yeah. things like that, to then diversify kind of like where your success strategies are and everything. Correct. Okay. I think you know another challenge was just doing another agency. Okay. It's so it's so addicting and tempting once you get used to that. It's like right. okay. I can do this and I know I can easily, you know, make $100,000 a month. Right. But it's it's finite. It's capped, right? So you mm-hmm. need to make a decision at some point whether you're going to make this a lifestyle business. Sure. Which there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to oh, make, yeah. you know, 100 grand a month and just, do you that. know, do that, that yeah. that's fine. Or you're going to grow an agency, which right. is going to be a company, which is going to have a lot of employees. You're going to have account managers, media buyers, you know, salespeople, like a big team, right. like VaynerMedia, right? Van, yeah. Like he said, I'm going to build a, a big agency. plus people. Yeah, yeah. it's a massive company. <laughs> so we knew we didn't want to do that again. Okay. So we had to decide how do we best structure this so it's not just an agency, right? but we can still test and learn. Because okay. in the info products business, there's a challenge where you have a lot of people, that's why it's got a bad name, because so many people are teachers who no longer do. Or they no longer did it at all. Or they didn't do it all, but they, didn't they, do they it just all. taught. Yeah, but same. there are a lot of people who used to be really good at media buying, whatever it is, but they don't do it anymore. And so we also, I needed to know that I can't teach something. I can't get on stage and talk to a thousand people right. about something. I'm not actually running media right now. Like If I'm not actually spending my money and client money, right. I can't stand in front of people and tell them, you should be doing this. Like, right. You can't do that. Right, because you're not so, doing it. 
We need to keep the agency kind of consulting business alive. So it's obviously cash, cash machine, sure. which is great. More so that it can be like a testing environment. Uh, we can try right. things, learn things, experiment things, sure. and then teach those things to the masses who can't afford, you know, a $10,000, $15,000 right. a month minimum retainer, right? And so that was a struggle was like, how okay. do we best structure that? How do we set the systems in place? How many clients do we take on? What type of clients do we take on? And then we kind of found a sweet spot of, you know, we take on six, eight clients. Right. We set our minimum retainer. We keep raising it. Okay. So we're pricing Here people out. Yeah. And so people say, yes, that's great. We have different deal structures. So now we're cool. either owners in these businesses or we're getting a profit share. So we have the upside. Right. And then we're able to experiment significantly and moving that over to the educational side of the business. That's awesome. Um, which is just, it's super exciting. And that's the rewarding part of the business, the educational side. Right. I know you guys are putting a lot into that. Yeah. Really focused on growing that. I am Josh Felber. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.